What's going on? It's CJ Today Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. Um, this week was very focused and intense, but um, it's a great episode. I think you guys enjoy. We're talking about Breonna Taylor. We're talking about where do we go for justice and equality in America? We're talking about does Trump really want a second term in his heart of hearts? Is he doing it just for his base, his constituency, his fans, his zealots, or what? We're trying to figure that out. Um, we talk about Gundam in Japan. Yeah, live Gundam. Big ass robots. Um, we talk about the stats of police officers actually getting convicted after a shooting. We dig into it, but uh, stay blessed. Thanks for supporting. Upgrade America. Peace. This one is free and the lack of justice for you corrupt cops on the free. No charges for your murder, how to kill you in your sleep. Upgrade America, what it's gonna be? Justice in the courts or justice in the streets? You just wanna live, be happy, stay free. Boom, let's do it. So, sup world, aliens, haters, and upgraders. Take a break from the shit show and then tune into some fine quality entertainment. Somehow you stumbled upon the latest and greatest episode of Upgrade America, we're talking about justice for Breonna Taylor, rather, the lack thereof, as well as a long laundry list of fascinating stories across the globe. I'll warn you, I'm a bit perturbed and I'll be dropping some F-bombs, among some other colorful words. If you got virgin ears, plug them, because them cherries are getting popped. I'm 2020 independent presidential candidate, right in. Cameron, hurrah, I'm the son of the sun, I'm the one. Also the host and executive producer of our lovely circus, Upgrade America. Very pleased to be joined by my fellow ninja and defender, CJ the Day Slayer. How the heck are you, bro? What's going on? Live from PA, Cam's home state. You know what I'm saying? On my TDY. Traveling scholar over there, man. Yeah, so doing this from a different location this week. Got the Marriott suite on deck. I like that, man. Yeah, you know, a little sign, you know, yeah. So, but what else do we got on the rundown? We already told y'all we're talking about Breonna Taylor and getting justice for her. But what else, uh, you know, if there's anything that's standing out to you as far as our our long topics? Uh, Shout out to Special Forces, first black woman to graduate Ranger training. Talk about that. Shout out to them. No, we got love for Spec Ops. You already know, man. Ranger schools, no joke. Yeah, uh, Florida's reopened. We're going to talk about that. My home state. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about trying to convict cops. We're going to bring up a little bit of stats that are very staggering on that. Um, Gundam in real life. It's not just <laughs> <laughs> anime. It's real yeah, life. Yeah, I told you, man. We've been sleeping on, on them. They're building the robot armies. Um, we're going to talk about electric planes. That's the future, possibly. That's what's up. Um, I think that's it for now. Oh, yeah. Asteroid kind of close. We got some other stuff, but uh, stay tuned. Well, man, you know, uh, current events have been lit up. There's a lot of talk about, you know, what's been going on. We have been following the Breonna Taylor case very close. We said we were going to stay on it and see and maintain our optimism for justice. 
Well, we have uh, went through our first hurdle in, in trying to obtain that. And I say collectively as a black community, and um, it doesn't seem like we obtained a victory. So I just have a rant that I want to go through. It's, it's only going to take a minute or two. It may seem like five or ten. But let me uh, hit you with disclaimer. My opinions represent no one beyond Cameron. Rah. Feel free to be offended. God bless the First Amendment. So let's get into it. Rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. It's unfortunate you have become a martyr in the fight for civil justice. As expected, no ownership of this tragic incident has been taken. At Attorney General Daniel Cameron, no relations. What can I say about you that hasn't been said about all other invertebrates? What's remarkable is how someone with no spine can make such an excellent tool. Guest speaker at the GOP convention. At age 34, you're becoming very powerful, yet you choose not to wield it against injustice. You say no foul play. Everything was picture perfect. A cop murdered a beautiful black woman and the attorney general squatted over the face of justice and took a shit. Wait, I stand corrected. Brianna Taylor's neighbor's walls received justice mm. because all walls matter. Bullets are meant for black people, not white dry walls. Shame on you for shooting the walls, not the person. Slap on the wrist with a wet noodle. That's my interpretation of the outcome. I am genuinely saddened by the results, the tolerance, the acceptance, and even the zeal of public figures are showing to defend this shaky narrative about a no-knock warrant. Ahem, ahem. Charles Barkley, <coughs> Shaquille O'Neal, it's despicable. How do I feel? How do I feel? I feel like I am limply masturbating over the gaping anus of the Fourth Amendment. Um, after it got DP'd, that's double penetration, by the cops in the Justice Department. You're becoming quite a slut, America. I used to love you. Now I feel like I don't even know you anymore. Pardon my anal analogy. I feel like the lack of discipline shown after the wrongful, unconstitutional killing of Breonna Taylor has now set the precedent for cops to enter private homes and use deadly force with no reprisal. Yes, the possibility exists that you could be murdered in your sleep by the police and they can go home and fuck their ugly wives like nothing happened. I'm disturbed. No matter, the local level of justice has failed us. It's time to escalate to a higher court, the Supreme Court. In the meantime, why not take these peaceful protests to the public property closest to the homes of the officers committing these senseless shootings and killings? No justice, no peace, no motherfucking sleep. I suggest Black Lives Matters uses their countless millions to buy Ubers to the events at George Soros. Why not pump a few millions into an intelligent network to locate the whereabouts of these cockroaches and inform the people only so they can peacefully protest? I'm not an advocate against for street justice, but I may crack a smile when I read the headline. Civil servants should only forcefully enter into the private dwellings to stop murder or to free children or hostages or to seize NBC, that's nuclear, biological, chemical weapons, all that nasty shit. 
The war on drugs is a war of attrition aimed at the American people. No drug evidence is worth the loss of life. Don't mind me, FBI and intelligence agencies. I'm just blowing some steam. I feel much better, but we have much work to do. Upgrade America. There's always room for improvement. Yo, CJ, I ranted long enough, man. Let me know your thoughts. First of all, shout out to Ryan and my girl Charlene from Carolina. Yeah, Um, I listened to you and black folks are tired in America. Um, I did watch a video on IG, dude, I forgot his name, but he broke it down in the sense that really made me think and sit back and be like, damn, that's why. Takeaways. Um, We're gonna get into a little later, but it goes back to basically, we talked about this, upgrading the constitution to fit today's times in the future. That's only right. And the way he basically brought it down, he was like, why would you expect justice when the constitution was written before the light bulb was invented? (laughs) Wow. That kind of puts it into perspective. Exactly. And we're still going by. It's an antiquated document. Like I said, it's like we just slap paint over this document that was created saying that, hey, black people are like less than human. They're subhuman and everyone else has rights. Let's uh, slap some paint over it and say, okay, now you're people and and act like everything's hunky-dory and ignore the past. Reparations, no mention of that either. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like... It, it, it almost seems like is it easier to gut the whole thing and mm-hmm. then just start over or, or, or what? Because we keep amending and amending. Yeah. Cause. It, and that's what I was looking at. I was like, you're right. Like, we need representation of current America to rewrite the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And, um, to avoid things like this to keep happening. Cause the other alternative is, um, you know, retaliation, unfortunately, because, and you and I have spoken about it. We don't advocate it, but that's the only last, that's the last step. What else are you to do if you're not getting justice on any level, federal, local, state, what is there left to do? You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know. You don't want that in your country from your citizens. And it's like even as 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 much as prepared as you know these the these agencies, law enforcement, as they think they are, it's you can never be fully prepared. No. And again, it benefits no one. And I think what what Black America is asking for is reasonable. I don't think we're being unreasonable. You know, with our, our requests and our demands. And it's just like, nope, we'd rather militarize and, you know, and just. What is it? What is a, the, the law and order? Yeah, law and order. Yeah. You know, like, nope, law and order. Fuck trying to, uh, you know, rationalize that. Like, hey, they're upset because they're being persecuted, oppressed. Like, no, it's law and order. But, you know, um,. I, th- I think the thing is, too, that I guess that I'm kind of, what do you call it, desensitized, and it's sad because, <sighs> yeah, I just don't know anymore. I was desensitized, you know, for, okay, yeah, black people are being killed on the streets. 
no surprise that's but when you're going into the private homes and you're crossing that threshold between public property and private property and murder is taking place and no accountability no justice is being served that's terrifying because it's just like we have Rihanna Taylor you know RIP rest in peace and power and then it's just like because nothing, no example was made of these officers. It was almost to say like, yo, that that behavior is acceptable. It's tolerated. Please go out, and do it, go out and do it again. No reprisal. That is my concern. And I guess the other thing that really frustrates me, and you and I talk about this, is the selective um, effort of the elite in America when they want to do something. Mm. We have the capability to pretty much solve all our ills in America on every level, socially, medically, financially, um, all that. And I look at this and I'm like, but they found a way to justify going to war with no problem. Mm. When we didn't have an enemy. How many, how many countless trillions you said we burned through? I think it was 6.4 trillion, I think, total. But you can't simply just lock up three cops. Like, really think about, put that in perspective. You send thousands of lives to go get sacrificed for a pointless war, let's call it what it is. And you can't give just for your own citizens something very simple that could have happened the very next day, the day of, right to a speedy trial, all that. You could have knocked that all out in the same week mm. this not this wouldn't have been an issue no um just for the play hey, go ahead devil's advocate on the, the whole speedy trial thing sometimes mm. is is it bad to have too fast of a speedy trial meaning like your counsel and i'm not advocating for those shit birds like they can uh mm-hmm. well they, they can do whatever they do but to have a to have your trial too fast, where your counsel can't prepare uh, their case and everything, mm-hmm. there's downside. Do you think there's a downside to that? Yeah, it could be. Um, I'm just, I just brought it up. Like it's in the Constitution, which we'll talk about. We need to upgrade. Um, like, uh, if you really think about, all this could have been avoided. Even with George Floyd, that could have been. You, you purposely like think about the sick mentality of the whole situation on both sides. You purposely let Minneapolis like get burnt up, which we know has saboteurs and all this kind of stuff. And Louisville as well. When you could have simply had justice within that week. But yo, CJ, but we've discussed this countless times as well, that there are there are parties, if not organizations, that want mm-hmm. this, that they want this uh, divide. They want this racial, uh, you know, this racial discord. And they, they, there are people who, who intend to benefit from it. Yeah. How? I, I don't know. But it's like, while I'm trying to stay non-polarized, you know, and not, the, you know, get so racially motivated when, when these things happen... This one, it, it particularly hits close to home, pun intended, because she was murdered in her home. Yeah. And the pretenses, the narrative is so shaky, man. It's like you hear one one party saying like, yeah, they had a no-knock warrant, which is... you. The only people who should have no-knock warrants are like... <laughs> 
if you're a SWAT team and you have credible intel that someone's being held hostage or, you know, there's some terrorist nuclear weapons, then by all means, kick down the doors, waving the M4s. But, yeah. like, just, oh, we believe they have some information on drugs and you want to, and, <laughs> well, yo, judges are saying, oh, by all means, kick in their doors in the middle of the night and, and do that. That alone is just terrifying. But then, then, but when you have, uh, again, you they said they had this lawful no knock warrant, but then they said they knocked. <laughs> and then they're saying like, oh, we knocked, but uh, no one yeah. came in, so then we kicked the door. And and here's the thing, my understanding is like uh, Brianna and her boyfriend, they lived in a hood, like a real rough neighborhood, to where it's like if motherfuckers kick your door and you shoot first, then you ask questions. So it's just like. He shot one time. When you really consider it, it's like a warning shot. Like, wow, motherfucker, like, I'll take your help. But it's just like, <laughs> if he really wanted to, if, he, if you were really going to engage with the with the cops or something like that, you, you would have had a shootout. He, he let off a warning shot. They let off eight shots. And, you know, and yeah. subsequently killed Miss Taylor. So the whole narrative is just so murky. And yeah. it's just like... Rather than be like, yo, what happened was, you know, this was injustice, this was travesty, and hold someone accountable. They're just like, under the rug, squeeze, squeeze, no big deal. And then it's just like, you have a black puppet deliver the bad news to black America, and then you're just going to sit back like, everything's going to be hunky-dory. And then on top of that, how they prepped for the... uh the verdict and all this stuff. They prepped. They, they knew there would be civil unrest. Yeah, they, they wanted to be. They wanted civil unrest. Yeah. And it's just like, again, it almost seems like it's orchestrated. Like mm-hmm. this is what they. Uh, this is what somebody wants. I, I suppose like we can tie that into the Blue Lives Matter. Yeah. Like I think it's kind of it circulates with that agenda. Like this whole authoritarian police state that's going to emerge in the aftermath of all this. This is my question, as a as a thought, as a uh, what do you call it, a empathy, a empathy exercise. Okay. Imagine if Kenneth Walker killed all three of those cops and Breonna Taylor was still alive. How would this case be different? Because it's self defense. It was. But how would this case be different? Oh man. Um. What do you think would have happened? I'm really curious. What do I think would have happened? Yeah. It would have been a bad day for, for, for Black America. There would be much retaliation. Much retaliation. Retaliation from the, the local cops. Retaliation from the federal government. It's, um... I don't know. No. That's a very interesting thought to, to explore, but didn't we mention that the, the FBI was looking into this case? Is that yeah. verdict over? Or is this a result of their findings? I think it's kind of a result, but it. I wanted to hear them. He's the attorney. On. He's the attorney general for Kentucky or for that, so. that that the area, the town that they're in. I, I don't so know it's like I think that's on a local level. And again, that's why I said I, I, I'm I'm um, imploring uh, all our, our the world to you know pull back onto the street justice and you know take it to another level and, and we'll see because. But to answer your question, man, 
it would have been it would came back hard on the black community. It would have been spun in a way that he because right now it's being spun. Even yeah. Mr. Barkley and and, and uh, O'Neill are are, are are like are shaking. Well, he shot a cop. Um, they kicked the door in with no warning, and you know. And I guess people got selective amnesia on other details of the case in the sense that they already had the suspect in custody before they even raided Breonna Taylor's house. Yes, I know. And that's why I'm and, trying to... Yeah, the and whole story the, is weird. Yeah, and and they, um, and the warrant wasn't even legit. Hmm. On top of that, and the police chief resigned. Like, there's a lot of levels to this that people are not really paying attention to. It's like, right, because jump, didn't the guy who was indicted was retired? Which one? My understanding is the cop who was indicted for shooting the walls, not the mm -hmm. person, was is no longer a cop. Like he was retired. He, he oh, I didn't. He I don't know. Or something like that. Yeah, I but know. Again, this whole story is it's weird, and it's oh, just. Oh yeah, like, Did, didn't they say on the um, autopsy like she wasn't even shot or something? It was something crazy. Like, what do you mean? Think. I want to say the report, the medical examiner report was like bogus. Like it was like, oh, nothing happened to her. And they let that slide. It was something like that. I'm not Again, sure. There's a lot of uh, murky stuff in there. And here's the thing about corruption. You know, it's like locally, yeah, corruption is like, you can hold that down. You can buy your police force. You can buy your judges and you can buy yep. your attorney general. You can buy all, you buy the whole freaking town. You got the money. But it's like when you have, and I like to think that, that I, I really hope that the the FBI is is that they can't be sucked into that that you know that they, that they can observe this and really see what's going on and really analyze it from every angle, as you mentioned from the from the autopsy to the to the paperwork with the warrants and even look at the ballistics and stuff too. I really want because one thing they are known to be is to be thorough. You know, and I, I really hope they take a fine. Uh, they go over this with a fine tooth comb. My, and that's the, I guess that's the bewilderment of the whole thing is like, the feds are involved. Mm -hmm. This should have been like a slam dunk for them. Like in a sense. Yo, I'm telling you, like just to build a drug case, they take two years. Just so they make sure they have enough evidence. Like, when the feds come at you, they want to really, really prosecute. It's not like, yo, you go to court, they, they spent their time and money, you know, trying to build this case, and then you get off on some technicality. They want to be like, yo, when we got this, we, we want to make sure we got this. Hence yeah. their, their thorough nature. But I don't know. How do you think it's going to play out? I don't know. The citizens They're are really objective about it. Huh? If the if the feds are really objective about it, the precedent's been set. Cops getting off, like even with George Floyd's cop, the cops that what we heard they they locked up for good, nothing. We haven't heard squat. Well, like it's it's a precedent. Like uh, the other dude in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, what's his name, Joshua Blake or whatever his name was. Uh, then uh, it was Jacob Blake, I believe. Jacob Blake, I think. He got shot, yeah. Yeah, seven times. Like, you know, another thing too is that, um, 
we talked about that Tulsa shooting, this white guy. This shows the two different Americas. This white guy actually shot, resisted arrest, didn't comply. We always hear from white America, comply, follow. Yeah, the yeah. they're like, police. you don't want to get shot by the police? Comply and all that shit. But yeah, you're dude, right. Yeah, this dude killed, he killed the cop and put one in critical condition. All because you gave him the benefit of the doubt and you didn't use your use of force properly. Like they start, they did it at first, they were mm -hmm. doing it properly. But like, if you're seeing he's being too resistant, you gotta like, your shit gotta go up. Now, didn't they usually, uh, they used a taser on him? Or they attempted to use a taser? Nah, they attempted, but they didn't really do it. They were trying to do um, manipulation, physical manipulation, but they didn't use a baton. And I don't that's what, for the incident with Jacob Blake, that should have been the immediate response is yeah you know physical manipulation and then yeah i know the devastating damage that the knife can that can be done with the knife but it's like you let him get only monday morning quarterback this and look at the evidence and say hmm yeah. at that particular time he didn't seem appear to be reaching you know but what up mr calderon omar appreciate you bro appreciate the uh help the networking He's the one that got me this uh, assignment. Yo, that's what's up. Um, what else are we gonna talk about? Uh, what uh, else? Asha said, "This makes me sick to the core. She did not deserve this, and I'm oh, okay. her killers were acquitted." Yeah, I'm I'm equally uh, perturbed. Like this is uh, it makes no sense, but at the same time, like I said, it's. This acceptance, the tolerance, and the lack of discipline, it's setting a precedent, you know? It, and I'm going to give a message to white America. This applies to you, too, at some point. Mm. Understand, this is going to affect your household, your family, your job. All this stuff affects you at some point. Maybe not right now. Oh, absolutely. But and it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword, and it's like... <sighs> America is, is metamorphing into something that's uh, it's pretty scary. Yeah, so uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Didn't we say something about an asteroid too close? Didn't you bring that up? Yeah, so the last time we were tracking this thing, they said it was coming right before election, like two days before the election. I guess it's a bit on time. And yeah. so, I'm sorry, it's just ahead of schedule and it's showing up a little sooner. But it's like... Um, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I am... I really... I don't know, man. It is what it is. At this point, it's like 2020 is... Any... <laughs> anything can happen. But here's the thing. like You know how the moon, it affects our tides? Yes. When like foreign astrological bodies come into like our atmosphere or even in our gravitational field, they fuck mm -hmm. the Earth. And like different ways so i mean it anything can happen and it's just like a part of me says like maybe covid is like a bunch of bullshit like this is just to distract us from that big flying thing that's heading towards the earth but um if it is it is what it is you like said um we had some great times lived it up as a defender and a civilian man you know it <laughs> no regrets bro what about you how you feeling it's 2020. Like, I'm looking at it as, like, one of them parody. Oh, Deadpool's a perfect example. Like, everything's chaotic in the background. And yeah. he's talking like, ah, oh, you know, this is just today. Like, that's what 2020 feels like. Meteor meteor in the, in the backdrop, like. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's been like that. So 
So that's how I feel. <laughs> really. I mean, it, it, it really is. It's no point to as what we endured already. It's, I see very little point in like <laughs> giving any con- additional concerns or worries or anything else. It's like, okay. Um, I did want to talk about Florida reopening fully. So, so uh, my homeboy, shout out to Ryan. He was like, I think the day I left or the day I landed here in PA, he was like, yo, Florida just reopened phase three, which ironically, you know where that comes from. Like, oh, in the- yeah, you're talking about tech school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our defenders out there. Yeah, go ahead. You can explain. Oh, no. I mean, like, um, there's different phases. Basic training is pretty much jail. And then when you go to tech school, you have a bit more freedom, but you get it in phases. Phase three, that's when we can go off base. Yeah, I think. And then phase four, you can stay overnight somewhere. I think. Yeah. I don't even think I I made it to phase four. Nah, I think I made it to phase three. And then it was like I got my assignment. I was out, I think. But how do you feel about this, that it is COVID and flu season in Florida's opening? It's like, I mean, opening his gates to, you know, this world. Me and my boy Ryan talked about this. Basically, overall, it's a money thing. Like, Florida is a tourism state. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. So we've been suffering, been paying out unemployment. They've been doing all the stimulus. Like, they don't like paying out money in Florida because to get unemployment is almost an impossible task. So the fact that they've had to pay out unemployment is bugging the hell out of Florida. Like, I know. So you got the tourism factor. Mm-hmm. We already we've already accepted that Florida kind of dropped the ball on their response to COVID. So it's kind of like, ah, uh, but at the same time, we rather our governor lack of leadership, our manager. I'm not even going to say our governor, our manager, manager. of Florida. He um, for interest. And you got to think it's election season. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are tied in holiday seasons coming up. Um, season but so let me let me ask you this though mm-hmm. it's covid that led to the issuance of the unemployment checks and to all these the economic uh situation in florida it paid a, a part of it so opening it back up to spread more covid it's gonna bring in some money but then you're gonna oh. incur additional cost from a, you know in the unlikely event there's a, an additional spike yeah it's at this point, I think Floridians basically mm-hmm. do what you're doing, like social distancing, keep it to. And most Floridians know, like, we're not going to really be where the tourists at anyway. <laughs> so, in a weird way, it's not going to affect us as much in certain ways because we tend to, like, stay away from tourists here. I can speak for me being in Orlando. I don't really go to the tourist area. You've, like seen, you've seen it from a microscopic perspective, from a macroscopic scale. Let me ask you this first. Is Disney opening back up? I think, I don't know to what full extent Disney mm-hmm. and Universal is opening up. I know they were pretty much opening. Pretty much how it was explained is everything is opening up, but still practice like CDC practices and like kind of limit don't pack your stuff out, you know, like bars, restaurants, and all that. Still practice the CDC guidelines and all that, but everything is fully open. So remember when we were training for nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare, and we had to do all these decon stuff. Yeah, like that. and there was always someone who died because they didn't have their zipper 
unzipped or something like that. Yeah. Hold on, standby. Same on me. I didn't charge my computer. But um, what I was gonna say is there will be people who will wax in the how you say the mandates, the mop floor, the protective, and that can spread shit. On yeah. a macroscopic scale, Florida, tourist state, it's a hub. People from all around the nation, if not the world, gather there. If they go yeah. there and encounter any type of exposure, it's going to come from Florida and then go back to where once they came. Um, Chargers, over there, give me one more. Okay. Um, another thing I was going to bring up, my experience flying since this first time I flew um, during COVID, it was very interesting. I found it, I found it to be very hypocritical. Hypocritical of the standards or the guidelines? Just, it, just conceptually, like, it's like, all right, social distance, wear your mask, da-da-da-da. But I'm like, when we get on the plane, we're not social distancing. We're right next to each other. So they pack the planes or are they partially, uh... Nah, like, I know it used to be staggered. Now, nah. It was, my one flight was packed. Um... Wow, so you gotta wear your mask all the time? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I told you, like, it was funny having a Trump supporter, like, right next to me, and I'm watching him read, like, Donald Trump Jr.'s book, and watching, like, he has some paperwork. It was interesting. I couldn't really see all of it, but it was, like, it looked like how to regain the South to rise again or something, some kind of shit like that. Interesting. Yeah, and it had, like, uh... Sounds like Google boy. Yeah, it was was some shit, and it was interesting because the dude's hand was all busted up. He definitely avoided eye contact and talking to me, which I would have kind of liked to have had that discussion. Like, so, (laughs) you know, but it would have been uncomfortable, but he couldn't run, and you don't want to have no incident because if he got stupid, stupid, I'll get stupid. So, (laughs) um, but that's the also the. I think of it another way too. That's the beauty of America. Literally, I'm sitting by this guy. Probably don't agree with what he agrees with, but he has the option to feel that way and believe that way. And I, I think that's the one cool thing about America that we forget sometimes. Like the one privilege or I don't know benefit of being here. Like, and I wasn't even mad. I was just curious. I've gotten to the point doing this program. I've gotten to the point where I sit back and just. Learn how to be more stoic, which I read a book <laughs> right here. Very good book. Is uh, any quotes from Marcus Aurelius? Yes. And yes, Seneca. Famous stoic Roman emperor. Yeah, Seneca, Epictetus. I probably butchered that. And Marcus Aurelius, yeah. So, and you, it's a cool read because you read it every day. It's like one page a day or something like that. So it's awesome. I hate to take off from your. I gotta ask you a question. How do you think okay. like, the whole stoicism lifestyle would have helped you in the military? I discovered it after getting out, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have. I know some of those principles, like we adapted, like mm-hmm. while in there, just the hardcore press through it. It is what it is. But like, just I really wish I would have read more on Marcus Aurelius ah. and you know other Stoics. While I. Between this book, if I had read, this is the books I wish I read as soon as I got in the military. The Daily Stoic, what I'm reading now. Okay. Uh, the Way of the Superior Man. I which, knew you were going to mention that, man. 
And I get around to reading that. Or listening. And 48 Laws of Power. If I read oh, those three, excellent, oh my excellent, God. excellent book. Shout out to uh, to Flawless from the Bilderberg Group. He put me on that, and it was a wow, very motivating. Um, it is. Um, I think yeah, those books are can really help shape your. I really would have like to have some of that information while I was in the military. Make those some of those hard times a bit easier. Yeah, like I'm looking back on it, everything would have been easy. Like it, literally, you know our career field. Literally, mm-hmm. like with those books, the knowledge I learned from those books and putting it into practice in our career field, probably made chief, bro, or something like, or went officer, wow. or something. because. Yeah. Just be way of, yeah, just a way of thinking, like because it is a mindset. And then I was just reading about it. It's like a fun fact about Marcus Aurelius. He was, a, as I mentioned, he was a Roman emperor. He used to sleep on the the floor. He would get up, you know, sleep in his little palace bed for most of the night. But then he would get up early and sleep on the floor just to remind himself, like, yo, you could fall from this height. You could fall from here, and this may be how you had have to live. And if you're not mentally tough to do it, then, you know, you perish. You take cold showers just to, yeah. you know, he would, I, I, from, I don't really want to try to sum or paraphrase the, the stoic concept. You can correct me, but it's, it's about mm-hmm. mental toughness and learning how to, like, push through the suck, push through Basically, discomfort. Yeah. That's and, what I take from it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I agree with that mindset. You can do anything. Yeah, so I wanted to touch on this story real quick. Wells Fargo being racist. <laughs> so, I'm not surprised. Oh, uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, I used to bank with them and I got rid of them because they kept getting hit with all that um, corruption <laughs> and stuff. They kept hitting money laundering. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I mean, no bank is probably clean except probably your local bank, but which I went local. But um, basically, the CEO of Wells Fargo said they might sound like an excuse, but unfortunate reality is there's a very limited pool of black talent to recover from. Why they don't have enough black talent in their company. And I'm sitting here like, bro, you know how many people out of work are underemployed? This is what is not spoken about. Hmm. A lot of black Americans, and I'll say Americans in general, are underemployed, meaning they're not getting paid what they were in the first place, even though they I are. Agree. So it was just sad. I, I read this and I laughed. I said, that's the reason why I left that bank. And I'm sitting here like, bro, but they, they anticipate I- these. Like, I can only assume that you're, you know, you're the chief executive officer of a, a powerful bank that you must be have possess some degree of intelligence. But like, what is going through their mind? Like, what is the purpose of saying things like that? What do you think he's trying to incite? Um, the you one think thing it's he a said face is, of supporters for people who who agree with that, or like, or is it just a justification or an excuse for uh, the lack of diversity in their organization? I don't know, and it's interesting because all these Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies talking about Black Lives Matter, and you know we have our debates on. We believe in the movement, not the organization. So, um, and even they had to walk back their mission statement. I heard on how they view the nuclear family, because um, I remember, I was gonna say they they changed a lot of stuff on their website. Yeah, for further scrutiny, and and I we got to pat ourselves on the back. Because while we were, we, while we were, uh, how do you say, 
slightly moved by, you know, what was going on. We did not jump on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon and, and pledge our lives to them without doing some due diligence. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I read these things. So Wells Fargo's latest proxy disclosed more diversity data than those of other companies, including that of two, two of 12 directors at the time were black and one was Latino or Hispanic. And I'm assuming over the whole company, that ain't shit, to really be honest. You know how many branches of Wells Fargo it is? I was gonna say, how many employees do you think they have nationwide? Ooh, I don't know. 10,000? Nah, that's it. Maybe 35,000? 35,000? Maybe. Wow. And yeah, only what? Three out of 12 of the directors are people of color? That's pretty shitty. Yeah, so introspection across corporate America during Black Lives All this is coming from CNBC, so don't kill me here. Um, <laughs> we get our stuff from different sources, right or left or independent. So just throwing that out there. Um, introspection across corporate America during the Black Lives Matter movement, ironically, that's what we're talking about, has cast a harsh light on a lack of diversity. In boardrooms, African-Americans made up 10% of new director appointments in Fortune 500 companies last year compared to their 13% of the U.S. population, according to a 2020 report from executive recruiting firm Hendrick and Struggles. <laughs> That's an interesting name. Um, Struggles, yeah. I know, right? That's kind of funny. Um, new Hispanic directors were even more scarce. So... Either way, Wells Fargo, get your shit together. And like, I saw this dope ass thread on Twitter. That's why I love Twitter. This chick, she works, I think works at Wells Fargo or works for a bank, I'm not sure. She broke down like all this stuff that you should look at, especially if you're black as a home buyer and all this, like to check for fairness and all this stuff. It's like really interesting. I was like, oh wow. Like it's- Yeah, you might have to forward, you might have to forward that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that um, at some point. But uh, I just wanted to highlight, Wells Fargo, get your shit together. You've been fucking up for years. Like, I can't count how many times I've seen them do the apology and then their corrective items and actions after that and then end right back up in the news doing some dumb shit. Yo, let me run Wells Fargo. I got Sound, this. Sounds like some of these celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> so, want to bring that up? Y'all get your shit together. All right, what else we got here? Um, I got a question. All right, I want to know your thoughts on this. Does Donald Trump really want to do another term, or is it just his ego? I was really sitting back thinking about <laughs> it. Think about what comes with the presidency, right? Oh, I have. Trust so, me, I'm applying for the job. Yeah, but while it does sound fun, it really does. A lot of perks. I can only imagine it sucks. Yeah. Because really think about it, right? Like from a military perspective, the life of a you know of a commander is you know even as, as you know as our troops and when you you know you get to know the commander, the stress and stuff that they're underneath. Mm-hmm. How how many hours do you think that 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 Trump sleeps at night? I can imagine it's long days, early mornings, getting mm-hmm. looking up a lot of times, and like the job's gotta suck. You look at how it aged Obama. Yeah. He was a young sprout when he went in. I believe one of the youngest presidents to take office, if I 
was it? Ooh, yeah, because it's between him, JFK, and somebody else was young back then. I think it was, I think it was, it aged him. It took a, a serious toll. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can only imagine, like, I think for you mentioned ego, yeah. Like, just the, I think Trump may enjoy parts of the job, particularly the campaigning, speaking to the people. But I know there's parts of the job that has to suck. Yeah, because it's, and I want to give a shout out to OG Legend, staying a comedian, Sinbad. He brought this up right around the time, right before he got elected, and I think right after. Mm-hmm. I think kind of between both. But the one thing he said that stuck with me is, like, he didn't expect to win. It was kind of like... I'll show you kind of thing. And he won. And then <laughs> when he had that transfer of power with Obama, he was like, oh, shit. Like, he said once he got the the nuclear, got that talk, like, yeah, all yeah. that shit, he was like, oh. It's real <laughs> responsibility. But it's, yeah. um, again, so it's like, do you think he's really running the show? And if not, who do you think is really? Do you think Pence does a lot of stuff behind the scenes? Absolutely, because he's polished. I, like, I told take you, this, I watched Take him. this meeting for me. I don't want to talk to these guys. Take this meeting for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I really think at this point, I could see him, like, he's probably just doing it for his base, to be honest. He's not really doing it. I don't see him really doing it enjoying it like really wanting to do another four years to be honest i think in a part part of him it's got to be taking a a serious toll on his health now and then four years of that that's i said i would do it once and then take some time i wouldn't do it back to back i'd be like yeah i'll do it again later yeah i don't know man i don't know i was just really thinking about that um you mentioned Oh, I wanted to do this quick stat on the cops, right? I saw on Twitter. Okay. It's just real quick. From AJ Plus, which is a positive journalism company, I guess. And I think it's owned, part owned by uh, Ashton Kutcher, I think. Interesting. But they were this report is from Washington Post, so people know. Basically, criminal charges in the U.S. police killings are rare. 110 non-federal police officers have been charged with murder or manslaughter for shooting someone on duty since 2005. The police shot and killed at least 5,400 people since 2015. I think I read this article and the numbers were like staggering compared to the And it goes back to what we said earlier, like it's a precedent where they don't give a fuck. Like, let's just call it what it is. But let me ask you this. How would it... You have a legal system that works hand-in-hand with, you know, with, with the police. Fast. And so it's just like the convicting them is not favorable. So I'm just like, you know how I feel about these third parties and external entities. Could there Absolutely. be something outside of that? That could be a some sort of justice tribunal exclusively for these type of cases. Because it's it's clear as evidence, the numbers are showing that there is no justice in the conventional justice department for these incidents. And that's what I'm saying. If they, what and, and where would that authority come from 
to uh, to trial these these these, uh, these cops in a different court. I don't know, man, but um, and um, what's up, Daisy? Um, I don't know, but that when I just read that little part of it, I didn't really read the whole thing because I already know, but. Just that part had me like mind boggled on the just what they've been able to get away with the cops and the legal system and uh all right let's talk about something interesting so I say, gun- piggyback let me piggyback on that okay go for it uh, blue lives matter right and then we can okay. from all the the dense heavy shit and be a bit more uplifting. <laughs> got to rant on this because it is pertinent and it is a growing concern of mine. Okay. So I, I want to talk on Blue Lives Matter and the notion of the flag. And okay, you know, yeah, yeah. You seeing a lot of people that are, you know, we always see people hanging the American flag in their homes, in their properties, things of that nature. And let me just get into it. When I was a child, I learned the flag of the United States is red white and blue it meant something like you have rights liberties and freedom or at least the ideal of that many people have fought and died to preserve this flag and the american way of life i learned in the united states air force while doing honor guard and ceremonies for our fallen defenders about our grand old flag cool here's a quote from the u.s flag code the flag should never have placed upon it nor any part of it, nor attached to it, any mark, insignia, letter, word, figure, design, picture, or drawing of any nature. Simply put, don't fuck with the flag. And I know, I'm violating the rules because I got a purple flag on my green screen. But anyways, what the fuck is the Blue Lives Matter flag? When you look at it, it's the bastardization of an American flag. Flags tend to represent nations and organizations. You must ask yourself, what is this rogue organization that politicians, lawmakers, and law enforcement, as well as good citizens, are openly supporting over the traditional flag? Because it really blows my mind when I'm walking through the suburbs, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, I see an American flag, cool. See a Confederate flag, bad. See this blue thing, and it's like, what, what, what the, what the hell is this? And, and I, ha- I had to look further. So, it, it, it represents something else. Clearly, it's a parody of Black Lives Matters. It's almost insulting when you consider that being a cop is a voluntary, hazardous occupation, and being black can be just as, if not more, dangerous. Shout out to the sundown towns. Mm. And um, talk about it. And, and we have no say. We are born black. We did not volunteer and swear an oath to be black for life. No, we are born. This. <laughs> you have you 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 have the audacity to say, "Blue lives matter." We're Smiths and shut the fuck up. Like, I'm sorry. I should I should be more nice. But personally, I believe these Smurfs are instrumental to the insurrection of American freedoms by the authoritarian police state, and that's what that flag symbolizes. That's most likely in league with white supremacy. Shout out to Operation Paperclip and the United States government employing the Nazis after World War II. Yeah, look into that. Think about it. This is the flag donned by the sympathizers of 
killers of George Floyd, Ahmed Aubrey, Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor. Whenever you hear assholes saying and supporting the people who who killed the victims, who sympathizing, they tend to uh, cling to that flag. This is the banner shielding the scumbags with badges. Under this flag, those incidences would be replicated and tolerated. This flag means police over citizens. And it's very clever and concerning that it's coming into politics. And um, again, we, 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 I, I beat the drum on it about the precedent that's being set. Now there's even a symbol for it, which is this blue, uh, this, this blue Lives Matter flag. Again, um, to the good cops out there, we, we need you. We, we, we really do. What we need more of is that good cops are uh, holding other cops accountable. Because, again, I don't like bad cops. But you know what I, I hate more than bad cops? is anarchy. Not a big fan of that. You know, it's no different than a war zone. And we, we want to keep everything, you know, we want to keep the peace out here. But that's all I have to say on, on, on that. I just want you guys to be very aware, even you supporters out there. Like the Nazis, they weren't just like, yo, have that these kids you just this this weekend. No, they weren't like that off the rip. They gradually they had some racism that was behind, some lingering race their supporters were racist, and when they gained power, it was all out. And I'm just telling people to be mindful for that. Like history does not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Shout out Mark Twain. But um, you got any another, thoughts, CJ? Another thing too to add to that is also remember that propaganda was also started in Germany. If I'm correct, mm. the father of propaganda. Um, yeah. I, uh, now my understanding is Freud. Freud was um great psychologist. Mm-hmm. His nephew, and I, I don't yeah. recall his name. His nephew, because you know he learned from the master. You learn how the mind works, then you can learn how to manipulate the mind. Mm-hmm. So his nephew turned out to be one of like the father of marketing. Marketing is very much like propaganda. Absolutely. And that's where I believe it, it came uh, somewhere along there. But he might have um, been in Austria. Yeah, I want to say Austria and Germany. On top of that, another thing that people don't realize is Adolf Hitler got his principles, philosophies, and stuff from America Jim Crow laws. Mm. Talk about that. I did he not learned know. from America how to do the Third Reich and Nazism and all this stuff. He, they came to research in U.S. and learned how Americans were practicing racism. <laughs> and that's an interesting correlation because it's like I, I mentioned before how America recruited these Nazi scientists and we have confirmation that they have been invited and employed into NASA but we can only ask what other facets of government have Nazis been invited into and doing that but I think it's interesting that you mentioned that they studied America <laughs> and uh, them, wow yeah. and, it's, and it's, it's almost like <laughs> You know, you hear about Captain America's origins and, you know, how he was fighting the Nazis and and stuff. But it's just like the more you learn, you know, even about the Rockefellers being in cahoots with the Nazis, with IE, IB Farben, what have you, that little company that was helping them do something with gas. I forget. Oh, yeah. Like Hugo Boss. 
Nazis making Volkswagen Nazis. But uh it, it's deep, man. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just go down the hole. And we love Deutschland. Don't get it twisted. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But it's, I, it's history, you know. But it, I think it's um you know, studying this is is it will help you see the red flags and Mm-hmm. There, there are, are, are a lot of red flags, like the, and there are a lot. There's some blue flags too, and we just discussed. But <laughs> well, what else yeah. we got on on here, man? Let's talk about Gundam in real life. This is in your wheelhouse. My <laughs> lady, right, shout out to Nine. She's um, you know, chief operations officer. She actually made the uh, the ginger beer. That stuff will clear the sinuses. And if you're in the tri-state, she has the. Uh, um, Makes some baked rasta pasta that is incredible. Oh man, that you know, shit looks amazing. That, that, that as well as the uh, you know the t-shirts and all that. She's she's starting her brand up. Very proud of of her endeavors, what she's doing with that. And First we'll lady. that out. But um, yeah, she Yo, put me on that art. Bring some of that rasta pasta, bro. Oh yeah, <laughs> if we can uh, we can arrange that on our RFD. But um, that's rendezvous for all you civilians. But. She put me on the story with the mobile Gundam thing, and I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm not <laughs> no. surprised, and I've been preaching that forever. Cause I'm like, yo, you took away Japan's ability to have a conventional military. Sure, they have some medics and stuff. Like when I was in Iraq, there's Japan had some team of medics that was there with us. They weren't working on our ops, but they were like on the same base. But um, when you take away their their ability to defend themselves. They're gonna like underground. They're gonna be working on some shit. And if you see there, Japan is was leading, you know, in electronics and in robotics for quite some time. I think they really streamlined the whole robotic manufacturing with Toyotas and stuff like that. But what can be used for industry can also be used for war. And we seen that that robot was pretty tough, man. I thought it was fake, but it was um, (laughs) looks legit. What are your thoughts? That's where we're going to. We've been kind of foreshadowing that we are going to go to drones, robots. We are not going to be on the battlefield as much. That I is. We will. I think that's just the first phase. Like again, remember we talking yeah. about wars. Like typically, they try to bankrupt a nation. Yeah. I think like drones and mechs would battle each other. But when one country is like, "Oh, we're poor and we can't make any more drones or mechs," that other team of drones and mechs is going to. They're going to be battling civilians and other military personnel. So I, I, I have some concerns for yeah. that. Hashtag Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> um, what was the other thing? So I wanted to talk about this. Under the Raw administration, what would a new constitution look like for the 21st century? Uh, what do you think you would um, do? This is a question I should really take time to address, but I, I'll tell you... Um, off top, definitely need a, a technical bill of rights. Mm-hmm. Definitely need a uh, a constitution just for addressing the use of artificial intelligence. Definitely need to uh, hard code in there, you know, basic human rights and liberties. Let me wrap it up to you. I think we have the means to end poverty and homelessness. Absolutely. And that should just be a let's do that. And then after then we within there's a million other things we, we can fix but that would be my primary objective there'd be a lot of policy written in there hard-coded where no one could be like removed from their homes where people would have permanent homes like 
I'm making headway with these 3D printers. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing what they can do is remarkable. I don't see any reason why we can't just print people's shelters and stuff. Uh-huh. Like it is it's a possibility. What's up? But you, you know what I always say, like, people need to look this term up. And shout out to Lupe Fiasco. He brings this up on, I forgot what song I was listening to not too long ago. One of his old songs. He said, um, this is term called plan obsolescence. Yes. People need to realize that's a lot of the reasons why we don't improve everything. We don't fix everything. Uh, hold on real quick. IG, it was a pleasure. Shout out to y'all. We started a little uh, late. Later, IG. Um, I'm trying to see if I can. Nah, it'll cut off. But anyway, that's that's our biggest enemy when it comes to innovation and um, resolving problems in the U.S. globally. And globally, this applies globally as well. So. I want to inject, and I I get why planned obsolescence was required in, like, let's call it the early 21st, 20th century. Mm Because you needed things to break so they could be replaced and, you know, you you can keep it moving. And that's why cars are not designed to last 100 years. Like, they're designed to break and stuff. But, like, I think we're entering the age, and I told you, like, we're entering that age where you can just manifest, you can create effortlessly. And things don't need to be designed to fail. Like the 3D printer, the, what's brilliant about 3D printers is like you can print tools to repair them. Like if something's breaking on your 3D printer, you can build, you can you can build this stuff, replace it. But we're, the, the age is changing where we don't need that planned obsolescence, and um, we just have to figure out to get everyone what they need and let people earn some money while doing it. Hence the whole uh, notion of mutualism. Like make a business out of ending poverty and get filthy rich at it. Yeah. You are right, sir. Um, let me see. I'm I'm doing this uh IG thing. My phone is kinda of wandering. Let me see. My laptop's consistent. Uh, I'll do it later. Alright. I'm uh I'm gonna hit the Alright. Um Yeah, I think that's the that's our biggest enemy right now you got to think all the corporations what they stand to lose initially <laughs> from going away from that so example Here, hold on go I ahead on late state capitalism which i think that we're in or we're nearing okay it's like there is a misconception that the corporations need consumers to stay alive and afloat my understanding, you ever heard a term that corporations are people? Mm-hmm. What, Citizens capital? United? Something um, along those lines, but they're, yeah. it's dealing with their whole ability to donate money and shit. But mm-hmm. like, late state capitalism is corporations do business with other corporations. They don't need us. And I think we're getting to that point where they don't need human beings to stay afloat. Like, it's uh, with can, petty consumer shit. It's going to be goods and services among themselves. I think we should do a whole, well, at least a segment on what our uh, new Bill of Rights would be or what our Constitution Oh, absolutely. I said we glazed over this. It needs to be, I don't say a whole episode, but yeah, we need more than two minutes. Yeah, but I will say this from my perspective. I would also. We should write the document. 
Yeah, we should. Um, I would also advocate for the second Bill of Rights that FDR didn't put. That's definitely going in there. Oh, so, absolutely. And that's what I said. I want to concatenate like, those concepts and then merge it into a new document. I, I'm very confident we can write it. And then that's, I know we, we also said we got to do another bill for that, um, you know, for prison reform. But yeah, shout out to Ryan on that one. Yeah, we, uh, this is something else that I would like to put on uh, on there as well because we can't. You you mentioned a guy from Twitter who said like we can't be living in 2020 on on an antiquated uh, document that was written before. What he said before the was light bulb was invented. Yeah, <laughs> very pushing into perspective. I gotta. I'll find that clip and send it to you on IG. Maybe you can throw it in there or something. I don't know how long the clip was. I think it was pretty long, but um, that one part was kind of funny. Would you tinker <laughs> with two alpha? Huh? Would you tinker with two alpha? The Second Amendment. You know what I was thinking, right? So a- after I watched that video, what that dude was talking about, I looked at like the amendments, bill of rights, and all that, and I was like. To be honest, there's really only a handful of ones you really need to kind of hunker down. What do you mean, hunker down as far as like like hard code? Yeah. Like, this cannot go away. Slavery can never be unabolished or or something. Yeah, so pretty much that example. 13, no slavery, period. Right? That's how you change that. Um, I I I think you have to elaborate. Yeah, yeah, of course. Have that language in there where it touches on prison labor, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's. Again, there should be no shape or form in America in 2020. And then another thing, because I was just going down like the the most polarizing amendments, which are basically one through five, and then thirteen for the most part. So I was mm-hmm. like, keep that um. How do you say cruel and unusual punishments and right to speedy trial? That's number six, right? Yeah, something like that. All right, yeah, yeah we, we keep that. Yeah. Protection. To... Um. So yeah, I was but, just really thinking. Think like, a, it would need some expansion. Yeah, absolutely. The fourth, the fourth mm-hmm. is as far as clarifying, as far as searching yeah, seizures and privacy and no knock warrants and all that shit. It needs to be hard coded. Yeah. Additionally, um, and I want to say I would tinker with the first, but oh, hear me out. It's like I want to say the hate speech because it's like we must, and the courts must take into consideration that yo hate speech can drive a motherfucker to knock your head off, and the person who initiated it by saying those words will not be charged. But the person whose actions, you know, who is driven to to whatever, yeah, the quote unquote, who got stupid, like like <laughs> they, like you know, they will be held accountable. Mm-hmm. I am. I don't know how to how to add that in there, you know, to where where there's some sort of protection against that. What do you think? It's tricky because you and I talk about this. We might not agree with something, but it's their right. It's everybody's right to whatever i know hate speech gets a little that's when it gets a little tricky it's like all right you can say what you want but you can say a person can do whatever and say yo you fucking hair and then if someone punches you in the face afterwards then you're an asshole you're a jerk 
I don't know that that one we have to check, but there is I gotta find it, but there is a I guess a website where you can write the amendments, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I gotta try to find that so we can use that as the um what do you call it outline or whatever for us to compile what it would look like and we can read it off. Well, um, yeah, I, I agree. Like you know, the, there are some fundamental ones that we need the hard code keep in there. And there's a lot of additions that we need to add as well, you know, to some technical, some civil rights, you know, um, yeah, this is going to be a fun little exercise. Um, I wanted to talk about something interesting. I'm into aviation. Um, Me too. So this thing was... Air power. Space power. A-E-F. Um, now man. we got Space Force. <laughs> so, Are they friends with the Air Force? Are they like a cousin of the Air Force? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I read an article of how it's bureaucracy. Uh, the bureaucracy of the Space Force is confusing because of the Air Force. It kind of hints on their mission. So. Absorb them. Because the Air, you know, Air Force had a space mission prior to the, the Space Force. Yeah, it's that's just like allocating money just for space. Mm-hmm. Because most astronauts are um, come Air from Force. Air Force or Navy. Navy, yeah. gets, Navy gets a lot of flight time. Yeah. All right. Um, let me see. I think basically this happened this year. A small little plane flew at 100 miles an hour altitude of 2,500 feet. Made a few turns and landed after 20, 28 minutes. And that's the uh, electrical one? Plane. Say again? That was the electrical one? Mm-hmm. Now, you think they the, the flight was so short because of the battery? Yeah, that's what they're talking Interesting. about. Interesting. So I could totally see for short flights. Well, about international flights and yeah, uh, that'll take a while. So then, most likely they'd probably go with a hybrid type of thing. Yeah, I I could see like I I think I'm not too technical on that, but I could see hydrogen right is another option. The, the thing about hydrogen, I don't. There's non-flammable hydrogen. Mm-hmm. What did they say? Because there were cars that were running off of hydrogen. Yeah. Yeah, what's a now, I helium is hard is difficult. There's a helium shortage. But mm -hmm. yeah, what the what about hydrogen? Um well, do you think for like blimps and stuff or where, where are you going with the hydrogen? No, I was just thinking for flight in general, because I think they do use it for blimps. Between helium and hydrogen, right? For blimps? Yeah, yeah. They use non-flammable hydrogen for the blimps. I think they were using helium back in the day, but there's a shortage with mm -hmm. it. I forget how helium is, is created. But um I thought about that too, like using more of like everyone's talking about they want flying taxis, flying cars and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't have them now because we're trying to put it all on one power source like we need oh we need a battery big enough to, no like i think go with like a hot air balloon approach or add some quadcopters on there and then you could clear that traffic from california in like 15 minutes fly yeah. by and when i do get my my millions rolling in that's something i'm going to develop yeah crash test dummies test it yeah. first because imagine you know like we can basically eliminate traffic with using technology, it has to be autonomous. The yeah. notion of flying cars, like 
you're swerving around, people drinking and driving, can't even drive on the ground, <laughs> let alone in the sky. Like, it'd be a disaster. But yeah, it definitely has to be autonomous. Like, yo, point A to B, keep your azimuth, keep your, um, man, flight plan. That's what it is. Keep your flight plan, all that. And it could be done. Yeah. Um, what else we got? I'm trying to see. We running through this stuff today, man. Great yeah, picks. Oh, you sent me that link about Trump um, planned on actually labeling Antifa and the KKK as <laughs> uh, terrorist organizations. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him to do it because it's just like there's a lot of talk on Antifa, 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 but the Ku Klux Klan is like openly supporting you. Like, and you're just like, like, oh, you yeah. got some shit. Because, I mean, there's, um, I don't know the man personally, so I can't, I can't call him the type of racist. But when it's like, you got this organization saying this and that, endorsing you, and you don't say shit, it's just like, people can only write their own, uh, use their imaginations. Um, I don't know. Overall, I wanted to run over the plan for Black America. Okay. Um, I really, I try to be quick about it because it's pretty concise. Um, the platinum plan, the president Trump's pillars. Now I want to throw out a disclaimer. Don't have all the details for it, but I do know the Democrats had very, something very similar. And a couple of, uh, presidential candidates had stuff very similar, but the key part of the plan for black America that you and I talk about, we kind of discussed, went back and forth about is a lot of the times when they present things like this, it's not just for black America. They'll use the term minority mm -hmm. or they'll use the term like, for instance, Joe Biden mentioned reparations, but he's, he mentioned Native Americans. Like, what does that have to do with black Americans? If we should be emphasis on reparations for slavery from the federal government. Exactly. And so, um, that's another beef I be having with these big plans, and a lot of people have been arguing from the Democratic side. Oh well, you know, at least it's something. That, no, we want something specific like Ice Cube's contract for Black America. Yes, indeed. that's very specific for us, and we don't knock any other group. This is the thing we got to tell you guys: we don't knock any other group for getting what they feel like they deserve in this country. That's why yes, we're up to five. But where I went off on my rant in Atlanta, for sure, is we get tired of Black Americans of being the moral compass of this country and holding this country accountable. Ooh. You got to understand, that's what we do in our culture. People always say, oh, what is Black American culture? Equality and justice, yo. We keep this motherfucker floating. If people realize that by now, they need to get a fucking wake up call. Or you can get your ass out of America like you always try to tell us. Go back to Europe. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so I, that was my little mini rant real quick. But basically... I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, yeah. uh, particularly with the the moral compass aspect. And I like how you, you, you frame that as, as well. And it's just like... I think we are a great reminder that yo, you're not living up to the slogan, and you know, you know, upgrade America. Um, so I'll read the first things real quick. Okay. Um, he mentioned opportunity by achieving historic 
employment levels for black Americans, which we can, uh, you can go into the weeds with that. Um, oh, another thing too off of this, um, I read this other article, I kind of glossed over it with, it was an opinion piece from the New York Times saying how basically most of this stuff that Trump's accomplishments, I wanted to kind of read off a few, um, where a lot of it's tied to Obama, which who he hated and who he tried to roll back as much stuff. A lot of his stuff that he wrote into law or passed or whatever is already in motion from Obama's administration. So that's another thing to consider. And also a lot of his stuff is bipartisan behind the scenes. All he did was just sign it. So I just want to throw that out there too for people like, oh, he did some stuff. I'm not saying he didn't do anything. I am saying like, you got to dig a little deeper if you're going to bring this stuff up. Um, he wants to provide well opportunity so access to capital for new businesses interesting he wants, he wants to ensure he grants. um doesn't really say on this this is okay. a quick like it's kind of like a what do you call it like a points and stuff. yeah it's kind of like what do you call that thing like a flyer Okay. What I'm reading is kind of like a flyer. It's legitimate though, but it's like a flyer. Um, so black Americans can achieve the American dream. So he wants to create opportunity for black Americans to gain capital for new businesses. Security, he wants to sign in law, celebrate the first step act. Um, President Trump has brought common sense justice, criminal justice reform to the American people for the first time in decades while ensuring that our streets and communities are safe for families and business owners. Um, prosperity, as the first president to provide long-term funding to historically black colleges and universities, this administration continues to seek immediate and generational advancement for black Americans. So I wanna add a little note to this white americans go to hbcus other groups go to hbcus which is historically black colleges and universities mm -hmm. they go on a minority scholarship a lot of the times wow. so they they flip it in reverse it's like okay we're gonna be cute and use affirmative action in our favor and also it also <laughs> it also proves a point as well that hbcu education is just as elite as Ivy League education, in my opinion, because if you're willing to go to a black institution, what does that say? Why couldn't you go to a private white institution? Interesting. So, and I, I know it's basically the financials of it. And I feel like to me, and I'm not knocking any uh, person of color that is outside the black community to go to HBCUs. Based on my experiences with people that have attended those, um, they tend to be pretty decent people. Um, it's debatable on some of them, but you know, for the for the most part, they tend to be pretty dope. I just find it ironic. Um, we gotta like be very careful on certain things. Like we talked about this year, symbolism is a very strong thing. Once you start digging a little deeper, you find out things you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I see where you're going with this. Now, what do you mean by symbolism? Well, the symbol of, I'm not knocking because 
historically black colleges and universities do need funding. They don't have huge endowments like Harvard, Yale, like Penn State, stuff like that. They don't have those kind of endowments. So they do need, tend to need more federal funding. So I'm not knocking that. I'm just pulling people kind of behind the curtain, as Jalen Rose says. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Fairness. Uh, as demonstrated through his actions to initiate investment in opportunity zones, we talked about how vague that is, um, <laughs> as well as address <laughs> health disparities, wage gaps, and necessary education reforms. President Trump works every day to advance a fair and just America for the black community. For the black community or for, for all? But, um... Again, it sounds like rhetoric to me. I want to see more details, more meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. The numbers, uh, the employment numbers, I guess now not so much, but it's not his fault, you know, pending plague and, and everything. But I just briefly wanted to say, you mentioned the First Step Act, and I wasn't fully aware of it in case our viewers are not. The First Step okay. Act. This was signed by President Donald J. Trump on December 21st, 2018, before the end of the 115th Congress. The act, me, the act, among many provisions, allows for employees to store their firearms securely at federal prisons, restrict the use of restraints on pregnant women, expands compassionate release for terminally ill patients, among other things. Hmm. I didn't know that either. I just saw it in the pamphlet, but that's good info. But yeah, um, again, it's election year. People got to say something. It's like it's almost like yo, I checked that box. Bunch of vague promises that will never be given out, and you won't be able to measure. But oh, let me bring this up now that you bring up numbers. So the last part of this uh, flyer, right? Mm-hmm. President Trump's promise to Black America over four years. So, increased access to capital in Black communities by almost 500 billion. Okay, so <laughs> I laugh because we've spoken about this. Black Americans don't have communities, we tend to have neighborhoods. Mm. So, that's already a misnomer right there. That's a red flag. Um, but what does that mean? How do you interpret that? What, in communities? No, when uh, the language that's being used, like, is it money going towards certain towns or certain cities and it may or may not be reflected in the black communities in that city or not? Interesting. That's how I look at it. I also look at it as like, we know a community needs their own hospital, their own school, their own, basically almost your own police department your own getting ready to say that yeah uh how that impact is uh so far as a police department as well yeah um you see these uh granted gentrification is like a virus it's just growing out and spreading everywhere but like the neighborhoods that haven't reached yet like what why can't that money go there to gentrifying that and 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 putting some requirements in place so that you know african americans and i, I don't want to it'll be difficult to just say only black people can move here yeah 
but still there's got to be a way where people who are already living in these communities like they have first access they have first dibs to these these apartments and, and what they're building up and housing and stuff like that i don't know so that that is what the opportunity zone is for specifically that's how it's supposed to work and yeah that's how it's supposed to work because like i said it was kind of vague how it was described mm-hmm. but something i don't know i just have the feeling that old houses are going to be knocked down mm-hmm. old houses are going to come up and then not so black and brown people are going to move into them mm-hmm. and, and that's that's just my concern and it's just like how can you write legislation to prevent that mm-hmm. um real quick so this kind of made me laugh so he wants to give access to better education and job training opportunities for black americans commit to working on a second step act whatever that is still gotta do more research (laughs) um safe urban neighborhoods with highest police standards and me and you that's why i always just go back and forth with you about the urban thing black americans live everywhere we live rural country mountains we live everywhere um, we don't just live in urban centers. Um, increase access to capital in black communities by almost a hundred billion, creating five hundred thousand new black-owned businesses. Um, Three million new jobs for black for jobs for the black community. Give churches <laughs> this made me laugh. Give churches the ability to compete for federal resources for the community. I feel conflicted because of the power of the black church, but also how they squandered the power that they could have at the same time. And money, I've heard, heard stories about, you know, corruption in, in the church and stuff too. And um, that's interesting because it puts them in a, it gives them a, a degree of power. You know, it's not against that notion if it's done benevolently. Like if you're, you know, like ideally giving a bunch of money to the church or, you know, they're supposed to be great organizations, positive organizations, Mm -hmm. you would expect some sort of positive change. But how are they going to track and measure these metrics? Yeah, because they're not non-profit as well. And I also listened to a dope ass podcast on Genghis Khan real quick. He's, I don't know if he was the first to kind of introduce the idea of um, churches being um, tax-free. Really? Nonprofits, yeah. I'm not sure if he's the first one, but he how did, did implement it. How did he go about doing that? I heard nah, great things about Kings. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was crazy as fuck. But overall, like, the one thing that he, he believed in meritocracy, Right? You got to bring something to the table, you're rewarded. Hold on, you said if you bring something to the table, you're rewarded? Yeah, meritocracy. Meritocracy, yeah. Okay. Okay. But also within that, everybody he conquered, he he let them, because he didn't really subscribe to a religion himself. So he let everybody practice the freedom of religion. So yeah, do the fuck you want. (laughs) Yeah, but on top of that, he gave privileges to like priests and all that because he understood that they had power. Yeah. On top of that, if the people can practice their own religion, they're not going to revolt against you. (laughs) So. 
you know what I'm saying? It was really deep when I really listened to that yeah, podcast. Yeah, you have to send you have to send me that link too. I would like yeah. to read a bit more about uh, read up on on him too. He's an interesting character. Um, and we share the same birthday, so that's what I could okay. be if I went to the evil side. <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, that other the other fact that made me like. I think 16 million people globally right now, I think currently have his DNA. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that too. Like, he had a lot of concubines over there. Yeah. You said 16 million? That's wild. Yeah. Um, So, the rest of this Trump plan, real quick um, advance home ownership opportunities and enhance financial literacy in the black community. Immigration policy that protects American jobs. Um, bring better and tailored health care to address historic disparities. Onshoring manufacturing to advance jobs and develop opportunities for Black-owned businesses. What do you think about the overall list? Like, rhetoric aside. I mean, it's like, it, here's what you gotta remember, like... He's has a sitting president, and he's a billionaire. He has the money to do the resource, research, to find all the things that people want to hear, like black yes. people want to hear. And it's just like it. It sounds all nice and noble, but again, I would be like, I would believe it more. As I mentioned, and I keep hyping it up that we shouldn't vote for candidates; we should vote for their policy. Absolutely. He had all these bills written up preemptively, like, oh, a 400-page um, bill on, I don't know, let's talk a bit more about that access to capital and building up over uh, 500, pumping 500 million into certain communities. I want to read it page by page and see exactly where the money's going. Yeah. And not Lee, I would believe you a bit more. But when you're just like, one-liner, <laughs> that solved that. One-liner. What makes me laugh, though, is I like Trump's conciseness, mm -hmm. but his execution is horrible. Interesting. Now, I mean, conciseness on a flyer, I get it. Mm -hmm. But it's like without meat and potatoes to back it up and, and, and really see that you put some thought into it, that you have some ideas, some real ideas for it. That's what I need. Not just to check the boxes, you know, this sounds nice, like it's too generic for me um go ahead and i i i listened to your long list and i haven't heard a thing about reparations <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right uh, democrats run for that question too so when when black people say when we say we're disenfranchised with the federal election process, mm -hmm. this is why. Like, we ask for a specific thing like every other group does, and we get ignored, which is called benign neglect. So y'all looked that up too, started yeah. in the civil rights era. But it's like, uh, what do they say, 40 million? I'm really curious, is, is it because of, we, we, we say all the time that the one thing that politicians care about is their numbers. Mm -hmm. Is it because the black community is not contributing to those numbers? 
Like, they're not voting, they're not participating in the polls, so they just don't care. Like, we're, 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 or, or, or is it the other way that it's like Democrats just know, yo, this is in the bag. Oh, we got dang a little carrot in front of them, and you know, the donkey will march. But, like, is, is that what it is? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where we're at. Is it just because we vote, black people vote no matter what? Or we're not voting, so we don't. They don't care. What do you think? I would say our generation on down is definitely like, nah, y'all ain't telling us shit we want to hear. To be honest, I think our generation on down, millennials on down, maybe some Gen X, but mainly millennials. I've noticed. And I agree, but voting, not voting, is just saying like, yo, we can write these people off. We don't care. Again, I emphasize voting for a third party lets you know that we have the capability, we have the aptitude, we will vote just not for you. Yeah, true. You know, I think that sends a better message in just not showing up to the poll. For me, just not showing up is just because you're lazy. Like, it's just uh, uh, not like, they're not going to do shit for me, so I'm just not going to vote. Vote third party. Well, I, I could say that, but you can make the argument on both sides. Why? waste your vote third party if they don't have a legitimate shot so it's almost better to not vote at all because no i'm just saying you got arguments here's my here's my argument on that is that it's better to vote third party so you can have a placeholder like when you have the republicans Mm -hmm. so let's just say biden loses by like a few points but when you see those few points are placed in a, a placeholder, a variable, a candidate, a third-party candidate. It's like Biden loses by three million votes, but those three million votes went to Cameron Raw, and they're all from the from the black community. He's gonna be like, "Fuck, maybe I should have uh, made wrote another paragraph about reparations." Come on, man, doing my best, Joe Biden. Well, not um I, again. I think it's when you have because those metrics. Are going to be counted. Granted, they're going to throw out a lot of votes. Some votes aren't going to make it in there. But the ones that are counted, they have to count them when they're like, "Oh, okay, X amount of people voted independent." And then maybe, maybe those in time, that will change. It'll like, okay, we got 11% this year. We got 13, and it'll gradually, gradually in time. But just to say, no, I ain't doing shit, is uh, you send a bigger message by voting third party. It says like, hey, I have the power. I have the power. I'm just not doing it for you until you appease me. Mm-hmm. That's just my my philosophy. I, I can see both sides of it. I can see. I look at not voting also as a protest, like simply a like a really big fuck you. But I understand. I do because I think voting for someone who has no choice of winning is more of a fuck you than like not doing it all because anyone can do that anyone can just be like oh, it's voting day just sit around not do shit to say fuck yeah take that like when you go out of your way you put the time and the energy into saying like yes i see you there trump you ain't got nothing to offer me yeah i see you there biden the fuck you got to offer me i'm being straight up and real i wrote an entire book on what i got to offer y'all still not gonna vote for me but it would send a powerful message it would send a very powerful message to to those popular parties like yo 
we ain't offering them shit, but they still wanted to show that they have that power. Like this, uh, this vote thing, it is, um, it, it, it is power, and it just to sit on it is, uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, I um, on the I I get. I get because what that's what we're doing. So I get what you're, where you're coming from. I get your concept, but I also do know it's all about money and politics too. We gotta. And we talked about this at at nauseum, not at nauseum, but like plenty of times of Black Americans need to go non-party affiliated and get our money up, and then participate in the electoral process that way. Yeah, you referring with the PACs. Yeah. I, I yeah. Um, like I said, that's, I think that's that course. is a that's a bigger um, that would be very progressive and helpful as well. It, it's like once you show that purse, be like, yo, by the way, we raised uh, X amount of millions. It ain't going to you, Democrats. It ain't going to you, GOP. Like you're right, the money is is definitely going to show. But I have this silly sense of optimism that like. It has to. We have to find a way to do it without the money. Because if not, you you never gonna outspend the corporations. You never gonna outspend the billionaires. Like the. But I give you an example. You don't necessarily have to. And I'm tell you the two communities that have well, at least the one community for sure, is the gay community. Okay. They lobby together, and got gay marriage passed during Obama's administration. And I'm sure it wasn't like billions of dollars. How much do you think? Oh, yeah. I'd be really curious. I would say at least in the millions for sure. Is that how it works? You're like, yo, you want some lost pass? Give me 10 million. Give me 15 million to make it happen. But, um, I guess. But I, I still think it's like, you, you need to they care about these polls and you need to show when they're like yo what is this blip in this third party like what yeah that is because it's going to it sends a message man it's all about metrics like when trump's numbers go down he shits a brick like oh my god i'm down like two percent on my ratings like that's all they care about but um, we, we gotta find different ways to, to change that to change that process and again if it's gradual incremental mm-hmm. Sure, but we, we gotta do something, you know, for the sake of the republic. Oh, well, I, I'm gonna read off just a couple. I don't want to bog it down too much of positive yep. things Trump has done. And this is off the White House Trump administration accomplishment list off the actual website of the, the White House. Right. Um, I think it's dated 2018, but just to get a look. Um, the one thing I did like, he did, signed the VA Choice Act and the VA Accountability Act, expanded VA telehealth care services, walk-in clinics, and same-day urgent primary and mental health care. So that's something I did uh, observe is the upgrade of the Veterans uh, Affairs Department. And yeah, it needed a, it needed some help. It, it, had, it was suffering from neglect. I will give him that. He company yeah. and resources into that. Yeah, and I've been uh, a product of what that service has, how it's been so helpful considering Corona and all this. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Like I'm able to do therapy. I know Cam. I think he's been already been doing therapy 
telehealth wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just um, they got an app for it. Yeah. Where it's like I think now that you know most people are using Skype to you know just uh, call in and but yeah, it's it needed money and I, I like I said I will give you that sound victory. You know uh, that he did a he did a, a great job with that. Um. Well, he created the space for us. <laughs> so. That I'm not. I think we need more of a tech force again. Space force is cool. I, I, I think the air force was more than capable of handling the space operations, you know. But um, I will give you that. But what is the biggest accomplishment from the space force? What have they done? Yeah, Star Trek. I'm telling besides you, besides being born. Yeah, they just born. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to look at something else positive we can kind of get behind. Well, this one is funny. It issued an executive order to keep open Guantanamo Bay. Why do we even have that place still open, to be honest? I mean, nothing, nothing. It is a foothold in Cuba. And when you consider McDonald's isn't even in Cuba, it's, it's good to have that little rock in there. I don't even know how we acquired that. We need to do some digging and, and, and go back into how we still have that sign an executive order to keep it so he's imposed tariffs on china in response to china's forced technology transfer intellectual property theft and their chronically abusive trade practices tough on china is what it is and it's funny because they're already in america like if you really break down economically trade media I mean, yeah, so I was listening to this podcast. Uh, what's his name? Um, Patrick Ben David, entertainment. And he was saying, I forget who he was interviewing, but China pays Harvard and other these these other colleges like millions, hundreds of millions of dollars so they can change their perception, change the students' perception of China. They're not allowed to say bad things about China. But there's a whole long list of countries that do this, not just China. Okay. It's on the list too. Like they're in, they're invading these uh you know these these higher learning institutions and be like yo don't say bad things about us. Look at changing the perspective. I.e. NBA. They're in bed with China. Economic. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised. That's why they. Pro- that's part of the reason why they resume playing instead of boycotting <laughs> and. Between that and TV deals and the owners losing crazy money, and all, like it's a whole thing. But um, this one I found interesting. I'm gonna laugh on this. We talked about this with the uh, uh, Beirut issue um, situation. The Beirut was it the Beirut explosion, Lebanon? Withdrew from the horrible one-sided deal with Iran. When's the last time we had a deal with Iran? Really, like a a real deal? Um, my understanding is that Obama put something in place prior that he was negotiating them to do something about them not enriching plutonium and then it could have been perceived as a shitty deal and I think we gave them some money or we're promising yeah, to give them money. I know we gave them some money or something like that and ironically and it's like money we owed them or something I think. Is it really? I think it was something like that because it was a big deal when we did it but I I left a lot of people frowned upon that. Yeah, and I fifty billion dollars. Was it fifty billion? Oh, let's do a quick Google search. It was ridiculous. 
Yeah, well, well, while you're doing that real quick, I laughed because we had this conversation about the Beirut explosion, how China worked out a deal that I suggested on season one of Upgrade America. We should have done. Hold on. So saying fact-checking Trump's tweet, Obama's payments. The real figure is likely much closer to $50 billion. Trump oh, also wow. claimed that Obama gave Iran $1.8 billion in cash. But no, I think, um, yeah, they're saying this deal, $50 billion in Obama's Iran deal will be used to... Uh, yeah, Iran will likely be used to fund terrorist organizations to attack America and other blah blah. Yeah. Anyways, um, there was some money given to them, and I'm just looking at these accomplishments. I'm just shaking my head like this is wild. Like, come on, man, you've written it. You've written the EPR too. <laughs> you know, it's like they always gas it up. Change your perspective. Use colorful language. This one is a good one we talked about. NATO allies are spending $69 billion more on defense since 2016. I will give them that. And that's something that I think we agreed upon. I mentioned that in the book as well, that we spend way too much on defense, for on foreign defense. Absolutely. You know, some of these host nations need to, to contribute. So I won't, um, not against that. Uh, let's see. Just a couple more, and we'll keep it moving. Um, an active regulatory relief for community banks and credit unions. Um, let's see, what's the other thing I thought was interesting? We reformed the Medicare program to stop hospitals from overcharging low-income seniors on their drugs, saving seniors hundreds of millions of dollars this year alone. That was in 2018, so I'm assuming it's still under that. Um, this one is funny. Secured $6 billion in new funding to fight the opioid epidemic. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, the war on drugs is not going. This ain't going nowhere. $6 billion ain't going to do nothing. Alright, uh, 3.9 3.9 million Americans have been lifted off of food stamps since the election. So you're talking 2018. I don't know what it is in 2020. Um, under my administration, veterans unemployment has reached recently reached its lowest rate in 20 years. Sweet. Um, youth employment has hit the lowest rate in nearly half a century. Unemployment, lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for Americans without a high school diploma. Um, women's unemployment reached the lowest rate um, of six. Let's not even discuss. It's impertinent. It's freaking Corona time, and you know the yeah. nation's like under. I could care less about none of this shit. Like, but he, um, has to, he has work to do in 2020. Cool. Unemployment rate was down. Guess what? It's Rona time. It's right back up. And he has plenty of work to do. So. Don't uh, yes, cool, nice. Use just use your power, use your leverage to, to fix the situation we have right now. Facts. Um, I guess we're coming to the end, but wanted to read off this black woman's excellence and being a ranger. Cool. One of Fort Jackson's finest, which I went through maps in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Um. Coming into the lovely Air Force, who are defenders. 
Um, Sergeant First Class Shania Simmons, a drill sergeant leader in the U.S. Army Drill Sergeant Academy, recently earned the distinction of being the first African American female to graduate Ranger School. I had I didn't know any females graduated Ranger School. Neither. I didn't know they were permitted. Like I was under the impression that was an all male course. I think all I think all spec ops is opened up to women now. I forgot yeah. when that happened. Was it under Obama? It happened. Mm, okay, so under what Trump. I do recall seeing is like they had some women on submarines. Yeah, I know that one, but I'm talking about. And I'm like, spec ops with like, no, I'm, I used to follow that community pretty closely, and mm-hmm. this is news. That's why I was like, yo, this is news for me. Like, but anyways, um, the, a brief history. Ranger School is probably one of the, arguably one of the toughest schools in the military. It's led by the uh, United States Army, but candidates from the Marines, um, the Navy, and the Air Force like um, went to pre-range sometimes. But it's a lot of sleep deprivation. It's uh, you're you're not eating, not eating healthy, and you're doing a lot of Army infantry tactics under sleep de- deprivation, a lot of stress, and things of that nature. Pre-range is only 13 days, but you'll drop like 20 pounds. And then the real school is like three months. It includes uh, airborne missions, mm-hmm. air assault, and, you know, just that whole shit. Like hand-to-hand combat, just doing rules, yeah. rage, all that stuff, man. But it is grueling. It, it's grueling. Like, if you don't perform your tasks correctly, you don't eat. If you do other things incorrectly, you don't sleep. And I think they said you're averaging like maybe an hour or two of sleep a night, but that allotted time you have to sleep. You also have to prepare your gear, prepare your missions, your operations for the next day. So you're running on fumes. Essentially, it's a lot of stuff that we did in security forces training, but you're just doing it under extreme pressure and uh, and sleep deprivation. And there's some live fire in there as well. But yo, (laughs) cool. That is an accomplishment. Yeah. A female ranger. But the the face of the military is changing. I think this is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, This was in 2019, just so you guys are clear. Um, But that's still dope, man. I've never... Oh, okay. So I guess it happened within that year. Gender barrier removed on future Army Ranger courses. So I guess that was within 2019. So that's the timing is beautiful. Oh no, this is 2015. All right. Barry removed on future Army Ranger course in 2015. So yeah, the Army I'm announced curious, was that. Was it co-ed or was it, uh, or is it still uh, segregated? I don't know. I'm I'm assuming it would be co-ed to a degree but then it'd be segregated maybe? Yeah, the, bear, the bunking or whatever would probably just be one uh, or a few females in their their quarters or whatever but yeah this is it's interesting times I am a full advocate for it if you are physically fit to do the challenge by all means you know you should, you should deserve to play but um I don't know man this is a lot going on this week yeah. Pardon, pardon my rants and my frustration. It was therapeutic for me. Not so, not so perturbed anymore. Yeah. 
Oh, how are you feeling, man? I know you said you came down, you were sick or something like that. Man, I had, um, I was like, I was under the weather mm-hmm. and then I was just like, I think when you have things to do, like a lot of things to do, you just like, I don't have time for this shit and you push through it. And so it's just like, I had one bad night mm-hmm. and after that I woke up, I was good. Right now I'm engaged in a uh, 30,000 per day step challenge. And I was just like, yo, I get this, I get these steps in, man. I gotta get this. And it's just pushing through that. It's, it's much better. But I think what really helped me was the ginger, ginger beer, as I mentioned, with my lady be whipping up. Like that's a powerful healing root. Like I, I totally recommend, you know, people trying that out. But we are entering COVID in flu season. If we're not already here, it's um same precautions as, as, as normal, but, um, just assume a lot more people are dropping the ball a lot more people are contagious so be be careful yeah um i would definitely suggest yeah i've been still taking my supplements and everything i when i first landed here in lovely pa i grabbed some herbs for immunity elderberry um i forgot what else i grabbed echinacea is good for immunity and Yeah, Yeah, Golden Seal and Echinacea, you want it together. Um, You always want to try to get it together. They're good for immunity. So you can get one bottle with both of them? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I'm going to look at it. It'll be like Echinacea and Golden Seal Extract. Because I think it's like where we're at right now. It's like, yeah, we're going to keep wearing masks and all this stuff like that. But COVID can mutate and there's... If there's a new virus, there's going to be other new viruses. I think we're at a point where we have to build our immunity, uh, you know, like through supplements, through eating healthy, eating, even exercising. I think that's yeah. another thing that helped me get over my little ailment is because mm-hmm. like, just like anything that's in your body, it has a half-life. It has a metabolism. Uh, metabolic metabolic it has a metabolic rate and I think even with these viruses like you know you can you're sweating when you're exercising and you're moving around which is producing energy which is pushing this 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 pathogen through but I think like staying active eating healthy I'm not gonna say it's end all cure all but it, it, it could uh, it will boost your immune system and your body's viral fighting powers in the future i could say speaking from personal experience at least as far as knock on wood as far as i know been surviving corona season and traveled through multiple states been around you know my grandma caught it my mom caught it i was around both of them at one point probably around the time they did catch it around maybe possibly but all that to say, considering Florida has some of the highest number of corona cases yeah. um, and deaths, um, I think, if I remember correctly, I've been doing fine with my supplements, my uh, sunshine, my walking, um, socializing, but staying into like a core group of people that I encounter on a weekly basis. Now it's a little different because I'm TDY now. Um, it's a little different, but but I still been pretty much living my life, going out, keep my mask on me, 
you know, water, hydrate, sleep. Very important, guys. Yes. Don't compromise with that sleep. It's uh, they say sleep is when your body repairs that repairs itself is when it heals, and when you start jeopardizing your sleep is like that's when people start to see a lot of health uh, impacts and stuff. But like, um, fun fact they said like daylight savings, just losing that one hour of sleep. They see more heart attacks the next day, meaning Damn. just losing one hour of sleep can have that much impact. Absolutely. So it's like I don't fuck around with my sleep. I meditate like before I go to sleep, and then, you know I, I prioritize that. But it's again it's the same with your stress level, self care, venting about uh, my frustrations from you know Breonna Taylor as, as well as you know civil injustice. That was it was very helpful. It got it off my chest. Because I didn't want to hold all of that and then just have all that negative, negative energy that impacts your health as well. Absolutely. Stress is like gotta, you gotta breathe, and you no, know, don't hold all that aggression in. Like let it out. You know, I mean, in a constructive, positive way, of course. Yeah. yeah. You know. But, um, yeah, that's all I got. I was trying to think of anything. Oh no! I'm just saying. Uh, I just want to wish everybody stay blessed and yeah. you know take care of each other because uh, you know we're all strong by ourselves, but we can get a lot further, you know, by helping one another. And yeah. just be cool, man. Like love one another, kumbaya, all that good stuff. What are your <laughs> remarks, man? Um, my message is Black Americans. I'm proud of you guys um, and girls and children and everybody for just pushing through showing resilience brilliance excellence like throughout all this stuff corona is basically like another day for us like just to kind of put it in perspective over us living here in america it's almost like a day to us it, that, that's kind of how i look at it it's like we got this so i'm very optimistic and i'm gonna stay that way and we're gonna do our best on Upgrade America to help our community and help everybody else because we all need each other at some point. So really do. And well, that's all we got. It has been a pleasure. I love doing this. Like uh, just trying to. There's a lot going on in the world, and no one has time to catch up on all of this stuff. We want to just briefly give you summaries and break it down. But um, yo, life is good. You're blessed if you're you're watching this show right now. You got the eyes and ears to hear our lovely show because there's people who don't. So before you leave, take a deep breath. Thank heavens that you're not on a ventilator. That's right. Wash your hands, wear your mask, or don't if you don't care. But, you know, just be happy, do your thing, follow your dreams, upgrade America. Peace out, Facebook. Peace, Facebook. Boom.